0: I can be who it says I can be. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen father thank you for your word in jesus name you may be seated all right turn with me to acts 413 turn with me to acts 413 acts 413 i'm about to have a good time in here there used to be a sign that says uh it's getting hot in here (laughs) we are gonna keep on all the clothes (laughs) and, and go to the word amen amen so, I want to talk to you about Jesus this morning. Can you imagine that? You come to a church and they talk about Jesus? That's so cool. I think this is a great church. <laughs> so, any of you considering coming here? You should, because we are Jesus people. All right. So, Acts 4, verse 13. And the Bible says here, in the King James Version, version I like, me liking the version. Now, when they saw, now they are the, ph- the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and understood or perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So, I want to ask a question. What does being with Jesus look like? And can your neighbor tell that you have been with Jesus has your neighbor ever seen Jesus come to their house and knock on their door and say hey or has that Jesus dropped the flyer in the mailbox and ran away so what does that change look like and so I, I kind of started thinking about it and said to myself they had been with Jesus they established that they were uneducated and ignorant men so They, the Pharisees and Sadducees, perceived that these people were doing something way beyond, that it was so marvelous that they had to make a comment. The only way that these people could have changed, and the change that we are able to see, is that they had been with Jesus. So I started questioning, what was the change? Where did it happen? How did this occur? What was it that they're now seeing manifested, where did that start? So turn with me to Mark 1. Go to Mark chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 16. We're going to hit over there. So this is what happens. I'm going to give you some backstory. So Jesus gets born. And I went to the book of Mark because it kind of took out all the genealogy stuff. You know, the son of this, the son of that, the son of this and son of that. It takes up like a hundred and something verses. So I went to the book of Mark and it just kind of cut to the chase. Jesus was born. He grew up. Then he was in the wilderness. So he gets into the wilderness. He's fighting in there 40 days, 40 nights against the enemy. And, you know, didn't eat. He's hungry. He's tired. But he wins the battle. And the Bible says right out of that hard-pressed wilderness state, right out of 40 consistent days, 40 consistent nights of a hard, difficult, barren time that was taking his strength, wearing him down, out of that... He decided not to take a break, put his legs up and take a power nap and say, okay, you know, let me just recover. Right after that tough time, the Bible says, Jesus went to the sea of Galilee. This is where we pick up into verse 16 and he saw some people fishing and the Bible says that he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. So this shows me that these were some working brothers. They had a job. They weren't at home shooting the breeze and watching TBN. No, no. This was the middle of the day, and they were all working. And they were casting a sea into the net because they were fishers, which means fishermen, you know, fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Now, I want to tell you something. Life with Jesus involves three things. It involves the ask. It involves the action. And it involves the ascension. Now, I assume that because I'm seeing you here like in living color, in living color, that you have not ascended. You are still here. Okay. And I assume that most of us have completed the first stage, which is called the ask. We have asked Jesus into our heart to become our Lord and Savior. We were given an invitation and we decided that we were going to get involved with Jesus by saying yes. And we said that prayer. And we said yes, we are now followers of Jesus Christ. And so this is the life that we live. And so we're finding out here, how did Jesus live his life? And so this is what happens here. I realized that Jesus set a pattern for us. And when he had told the disciples to come... The Bible says that they immediately decided to follow him. Follow him where though? And follow him doing what is now the question. I mean, I can say follow me and you have no idea where I'm leading you. No, imagine these are fishermen. So they're used to doing their own hours. They know when to go catch fish. They can be out on the sea for hours on end. You know, they're working. They're doing their thing. They have families. They're busy people. Well, sometimes we assume that the fishermen had no jobs. That they were just there, just waiting for Jesus to just show up on the scene and give them something to do. They were busy people, just like you and I are busy people. But if Jesus was to ask us to cast our nets and make him a priority, would we cast the net? Or would we say, Oh, no, I'm busy, I gotta mend that net? You know, Jesus actually told one guy, He said, Hey, I'll be a disciple, but I gotta go bury my dad first. And he said, I'll let the dead bury the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. What excuse are we using? Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Uh, oh, this schedule, that schedule. Really? Oh, let's see what Jesus did. Okay, let's just, just take a look into the Jesus life over here. So I figured when he said they would follow him, that it was like a TV reality show camera. You know how they follow you all? Well, not you're all not on the TV reality shows, are you? But you all watch Housewives and you watch Hip Hop Atlanta and you watch, Pastor knows them all. He knows every character in every reality show. He watches Overhaul. He watches Andrew Zimmern. He watches uh, the Turtle Man. He watches every housewife, New York, Beverly Hills, Atlanta, <laughs> basketball wives. Look, so there's a camera and they're going into all your life and they're just not stopping. They're just cutting and editing Well, this is what the disciples had. They had a lens into Jesus' everyday life. And so he says to them, follow me. But they don't know what kind of adventure they're on. They just drop and they're just like, hey, let's go. So they, you know, they're probably thinking, hey, you know, guy had real good clothes and stuff, you know. Because remember now, the wise men had given him lots of money and hooked him up on the front end. So Jesus probably was looking fly. So he was like, hey, I can follow this guy. I can follow this guy. So he may not have been real cute, but he was fly. It's not like in a movie, you know, in the Bible, they made him real cute. That is not the Bible says. The Bible says he was very ordinary looking, but he did have on some good threads. Alright? So he could dress up, right? So this is this is Jesus. So they go into they go into his life now, and they followed him. So there is, if it was a reality show, I would have to say Jesus would be on Oprah's master class. Alright, so we are going into the class of the master right now. So let's let's see what Jesus does. Let's see what Jesus does. Because he asked these busy people in a li- with their life. And I want to know if we have asked anybody. Or if we think, oh, they're too busy. But see, Jesus didn't care. He interrupted their life. And what I've come to learn is that Jesus lived a life that was full of interruptions. And a lot of times we see interruptions as obstacles. But obstacles are not necessarily obstacles. Sometimes they're opportunities. And we are blinded to that because we see the interruption... And not the fact that there's an incredible that will follow that interruption. And so we just don't want anybody to bother us. You know, I, I, I'm kind of like that in some way because, uh, well, a lot of ways. But in this particular way, when I'm trying to put Landon to sleep. And I can be at work and I was, you know, practicing with praise and worship. Okay, well, I was fake practicing with praise and worship. Or I was up there working late and working on share. And I come home at 9, 10 o'clock. And it's between my bedroom and Landon's room or the staircase. And I just need to get up there. It's really just about 30 seconds. But to get from there to up there, I have to pass the Legos, Captain America on the floor, a fortress. He takes dental floss and ties up the stairs. And you have to go through these webs. Then, you know, pastor may call and say, he may say, Swede, what, what is this? Where is that? What are we eating? I don't know. It's 10 o'clock and y'all didn't eat. You know, and heaven's like, well, mom, you know, so-and-so did this. And I just can't stand this. And, and all of this is going on. And I'm just thinking, ah, stop. Collaborate and listen. <laughs> I'm just thinking, please, peace of mind. I can't take it. I'm overwhelmed. Stop. Leave me alone. Just let me put this boy to sleep. Where's the NyQuil? Let's move on with it. Let's go already. And I just want to break I want a break and I just want to just... And so I do things like I, I act like I don't hear them. He's like, sweet, sweet. And I'm like... Sweet, I was calling you. you, Huh? Oh, oh, that was you? <laughs> that was the Lord? You know, or heaven. I was like, heaven, heaven. Yes, 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 whatever. Y- sure, yes. Landon saying something. I, yeah, that's exciting. I don't hear a thing he's saying. You know, but I just don't want to be interrupted. I just want to come home and watch Blue Bloods and Law and Order. And Selfridges and things like that. Downtown Abbey. I don't want to come and deal with your excitement. But I was convicted reading this because Jesus lived a life of constant and consistent interruption. He didn't have a sign that said, you know, I have a sign in my my office. This is where I get in this from. I'm going to have to turn the sign over now, but it does say this: <laughs> "Today is not a good day, and tomorrow doesn't look good either." <laughs> oh, Jesus, heal me! So I'm going to have to get rid of that, based on what I'm preaching to myself right now. All right, and so this is what happens. So I found out that this is how Jesus was. So. They are following Jesus. So, guess what happens? Right after He calls them, they just got saved, just got called into the ministry, just joined Word of Truth, just. And the next verse says, "And Jesus went, called some more disciples. Right after that, He went to church. Sure did. Look here, chapter one, verse twenty-one. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, He entered into the synagogue." jesus showed them his priorities his first priority was the house of god was the kingdom of god it wasn't what he was doing because jesus did have a house because i found somewhere else where somebody said hey where are you staying and he took them there so it wasn't his house that he took them he took them to the house of god to say you're following me let me show you my priorities let me show you how i live so that you can do the same first thing he went to church the second thing the Bible says he went into the synagogue and he taught he served in church he served in church then the the Bible says in verse 23 in the middle of all this serving in church and prioritizing the house of God then comes this loud unclean spirit yelling oh I know who you are and Jesus says Be quiet. Get out of him. Shut up. Don't let anybody know I'm here. Sometimes I wonder what the disciples were thinking. Like, okay, we, we had our own hours, you know, um, everything, the, the waters were calm, but uh, who are these freaky people jumping out, screaming out in the middle of church and stuff? All these loud people, the demonic possessed. Oh, they just, they're just not my kind. And Jesus showed them, sometimes a miracle comes after you deal with a mess. Sometimes a good comes after you get with a gritty. And we can't always serve the people that are like us. We have to sometimes serve the people who are not like us. You know the neighbor next door that's smoking like a chimney that he can just light up your own fireplace? Yes, that's what he's saying. Go to him and say, hey, not just ask him to church, and not just send him an invitation, but say, hey, I'll pick you up. I know my car is going to smell like a a pack of cigarettes. But you know what? I'm going to get some Febreze and hook that thing up after. But you can come to church with me. Serving in the church. A lot of times we think that everybody here around us knows to serve. But the truth is somebody may have been a new believer. And you may need to reach reach out to them and say, hey, I've seen you come every week. You know what? Why don't you come serve with me? Do you serve in an area of ministry? You don't? Come serve with me. See, we have to get at some point past the, in, the, the invite and into the involvement. Past the asking and into the action. Past the preaching and into the participation. We have to move beyond that area and get involved. And so here's what happens. So, you know, they go and they go to church now. And Jesus did all these exciting things. And his fame begins to spread and people start to notice him. So he knows if we were existing... In Jesus' time, Jesus would have been a member at Order or of Truth Family Church Synagogue. How I know? Because he was going to go sleep and take a nap after church. Here it is. Verse, verse here we are, we go. So when they finished, verse 29. And when they were come out of the synagogue, so when they left church, they went home, Simon and Andrew and James and John. So they went to go have a little barbecue. All of them went to go play golf. I don't know, it was a little testosterone man- grouping thing going on there but Simon's wife this is how I tell you Simon had a family Peter had a family he had a house and Peter didn't have no shotgun house because his mom-in-law lived in there heller so he was an entrepreneur who at least had an extra room to spare because his mother-in-law was living with him and the Bible says his wife's mother lay sick of fever and they told Jesus of her and Jesus now remember he came out the wilderness He was walking after the wilderness. He was hungry. Walked, saw some fishermen. Called the fishermen. Told the fishermen, Hey, look into my life. I'm involved in church. I'm involved in serving in the church. And I'm involved in serving outside the church. I serve the people that nobody wants to deal with. Right? He says, okay, after that... Let's go. Let's go eat. Oh my, somebody's sick. Oh, they're interrupting my life again. I'm supposed to be having my nap. I'm supposed to be eating. But here comes somebody else needing something from me. Jesus didn't do all of that. Oh, I'm burnt out. It's Sunday. I need a Sabbath. It is a rest day for me. Oh, y'all chat back with me Monday. That fever can just kill her. We'll just raise her from the dead on Wednesday. He did not do that. The Bible says he reached out to her. He reached out to her and held her hand. And the Bible says the fever left her. Immediately after she got healed, the Bible says that she ministered to them. Oh, is that right? So she didn't take the time to get all recovered and all that. Oh, you know, pastor, just had a baby. Oh, and then two years later, oh, I just had a baby. It has been two years ago. You should have been involved a way long time before. Long time. Baby, baby's driving now. Baby's driving. And yeah, it's time to come back. You know, so we find all these different things. This is what I'm finding. So she did not find an excuse either. She was interrupted. Who knew if Peter's mother knew six people were coming over to eat that day? She was sick. And normally when you're sick, you don't have nobody around you. She could have seemed to like, you don't know, see, I was sick. I'm a sick, I'm feeling good. And you brought all these people up in here. Okay, I'm feeling better, but I, I don't feel like cooking now. I'm tired. I'm, I mean, I just came from a fever. She didn't do none of that. She just got to it and started serving. So then, the Bible says here, now go on further. This is just a day. Remember, we haven't even come up to chapter one of Mark yet. What i am noticing, is Jesus is not lazy. You get in the train? I'm noticing Jesus accommodates the interruptions all right so here we go verse 32 and that evening the same evening same day we still we still haven't left day one we still have not left day one in jesus's to-do list and when the sun did set they brought unto him all all they could not bring one like the whole group all of them that were diseased. And then you brought them devil people back again. You know they're just loud and cantankerous. They just be clubbing all the time. And they wear the, the skirts up into their neck and stuff. You brought them to church. You brought them to my house, Jesus. You brought them. That, that cracked me to my house. You crazy. And all the city were gathered together at the door. And he healed many were sick, and cast out many devils. And allowed not the devils to speak. Oh, verse 35, we're still within the same 24 hour period. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, before day, before in the dark. That means Jesus did not take no 10 to 12 hours to recover overnight. He was an eight hour sleeper. He was on it. He had to get to it. Jesus woke up in the min- in the dark. And what did he do? He went into a solitary place and prayed. Because you know what? You cannot be as productive in your purpose without prayer. The disciples followed him. So he showed them his priorities. The house of God. Serving in the house. Serving outside the house to the unlovely. But you know what? I can't do any of this unless I am in a praying relationship with God. Unless I'm being replenished with God. Sometimes in a solitary place. I cannot give out. So Jesus did not experience burnout. He has no idea what that is. That is not even a biblical term. And we're like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, well, maybe you need to pray. I can't handle anymore. Where did you get that from? This is Jesus. We're not even the same 24 hours. Remember, he's dealing with people who have families. And not one time did those people complain. Those family members didn't see them all the time. As a matter of fact, I propose it to you this way. The Bible says that, you know, that whoever gives you father, if you sacrifice father and mother, sister and brother for my sake, I will give you more in this time. That I have come to bring enmity. We think that coming to Jesus makes it all comfortable and it's about us. We think that when we give our life to Him, that all of a sudden He goes on our schedule. We can pencil Him between Monday and Wednesday. No, we go on His schedule. We are His disciples. We alter our schedule to fit Him. We don't skip Sundays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and serving in God's house because we have so much activity that has nothing to do with the kingdom that we don't prioritize God. You know, my daughter plays a lot of sports. And a lot of times people have their children in so many sports that they're not at church or they're not a true group or they can't serve or they can't call somebody or they can't go to their neighbor or they can't minister on their job. But I proposed to you, when she was doing sports, I mean, volleyball, tennis, soccer, basketball. Seemed like they're all at the same time, because it just never ends. And I finally said to her, I said, hey, 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 we don't work for you, sister. And so what I did was we went to the coaches and we said, Now, remember, she was playing select and ECNL and the highest soccer you can. So this this is serious stuff. But before we sign the contracts, we say, we don't sign unless you understand that she will only be able to miss services one time a month for soccer. Because the ability that she has to score didn't come from her. It came from God. So we're not going to alter our entire Jesus life and she's going to break her leg and she don't have nothing when she needs to put God as a priority first and then soccer fits in. It doesn't go the other way around. And we invest so much in them wanting to get a scholarship and instead of us trusting God to get them a scholarship, we make sure that we are putting so much into them on on, on this level that we don't train them and disciple them and discipline them to know that God is a promoter. God will open the doors. God will make that way. We cannot make our children and our families in such an array that we have no time for God. That we run straight to the church and we can't even, you know, say hi to the person next to us. Or, or we can't see somebody who's lifting a table and say, let me help you. Or we can't help pack a breakdown and set up. We have to, oh no, my family's in town. My family's in town. Oh, well. you know what? Your family can see that you prioritize God. And they will say, what makes you do that? Because he's changed my life. I cannot help but serve him. But we want to rush to the keg before the rush gets there. And what we do is we abandon ship. And we don't take care of the house. All right, so here it is what happens. So in the morning he gets up and they follow him. And when they had found him, They said, boy, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. This is verse 37. Everybody's looking for you. All the problems are running you down. And Jesus says, oh, that's cool, man. That's cool. Let's go into the next town. Let's do some more. That I may preach, therefore, this is the reason I came forth. See, Jesus knew why he was here. But here's my thing. Chapters continue and chapters continue. Now let's go to chapter 6. Go to chapter 6. All the while, while before we get to chapter 6, Jesus had, they have signed up for some storms have happened. They've had to feed some thousands of people. They have um, healed some lepers. He's preached some more. He's teaching on a mountaintop. There are thousands of people following him. You follow Jesus and you find that Jesus was not ever overwhelmed by the interruptions. Jesus never turned away from those people who were in his way. And what we do is we have to understand it's like me going from here to the back. Right over there is heaven. On the way to heaven, there are blessings, right? The Bible says, if I seek ye first, the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to me, right? But it means as I'm walking, as I'm moving. But also along the way are difficulties. And along the way are difficult people. On the way, there are some things in that way. That I must address. But what we do is we want to get out the way. Like the Samaritan. You know, he was sick and he was dying on the road and the Pharisees saw him and he was in the way. But what they did was went out the way. When Jesus was saying, no, no, no. If he's in your way, if your neighbor is in your path. If your coworker is in your path, if your husband is in your path, if your friend is in your path, that is in your path. You are responsible to minister to those in your path. That is your responsibility. That you bind up. It's going to cost you something. I'm not sure why we believe that coming to Jesus almost cost him everything and us nothing. Oh, Jesus paid it all. Um, um, he, he paid it all for your sins. But there is a price that you must pay to be a disciple. Disciple means disciplined. It is never comfortable to be disciplined. It is never convenient to be disciplined. The disciples are inconvenienced. Those body weights and builders, they are disciplined. They're not me, but they are because they're disciplined to their craft. And so I'm saying to you there, if we don't minister to the things in the way, we will lose our way. And he is the way that's teaching us that way. So we have got to make sure on our way to glory that we don't ignore this. Verse chapter 6. So this is what happens in chapter 6. In chapter 6, Jesus has now given them some time. He has not ascended. He's not died. He's still on the earth. And he says to them, hey, boys, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is what I've done? I need you to do the same. I need you to go into the towns. And I need you to go preach. And I need you to go deliver people who are sick and people who are possessed and i need you to go do the work this is chapter verse 12 and they went out and preached that men should repent and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them so jesus charges the disciples and says to them hey when you signed up for this it wasn't for you to come to the church banquet it wasn't for you to just hang on the outside and listen to the Beatitudes and just be filled with spiritual knowledge. No, when I invited you into this, when I preached to you and give you, give you that ask, my next thing was action. You got to get involved. You don't need time. You got born again last week, serve God now. You don't need to develop. You serve in the area that you know. Can you smile? Then smile. Can you pick up trash? Pick up trash. You know, I remember Pastor Eben was... Um, we were just married and he used to work in cars, sell, selling cars. And he used to work at Don Davis down the street, used cars. Look at that, used car salesman. What's going on? And so he would work six days a week from nine to maybe 10, 11, 12, right? And he'd come in. He's so exhausted on a Sunday, so exhausted on a Sunday. And you know, the normal person be like, I don't get no time to rest you know, I didn't get no sleep. I've been working 12-hour shifts, 14-hour shifts. I'm exhausted. But you know what? That man would come and pick up trash at church. He would just look for trash on the floor. And, that, and he would just pick up the trash. And he would say, I can't do much. I can't commit myself fully to a ministry in the middle of the week because of how my hours are. But what I can do, I will do. And he picked up the trash. And then he would just pick up um, stuff. And that's what he would do. And he would be so tired. But you know, I never saw him say, boy, can't do it. Too much work. Too much responsibility. Uh-uh. And Jesus didn't do it either. And neither did his disciples. His disciples didn't say, well, Jesus, you know, I have a mother-in-law, her. you saw She was sick. And I got children, and I've got... See, we, we want to use our families and everything as, as an excuse not to serve God. Oh, Lord, when I get that promotion, I will do that. I'll have more time then. When I, when I get to that stage, I promise I will. And Jesus is saying, you don't understand that that stage is based on your current involvement, you don't understand that that promise you're looking for is, is hanging in some ways on your present participation. Because if you're not faithful in the little, then who will give you the much? If you're not ruler over small, how will you get the big? And so we want to ignore the small stuff of serving. We want to ignore the discipling, but it doesn't work like that. Turn with me. This is my last point to you. Going to Acts going to the book of Acts. We are from some funny believers. I am telling you we are funny. We are like har 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 funny because we have gotten into our minds this untruth that the more we get blessed we should serve less. No, this is what I noticed. This is why the Bible warns us in Deuteronomy. When I bless you, be mindful that you don't forget the Lord your God. That is he who caused you to prosper. Because we have the ability to get more blessed and then serve less. We, Lord, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. Oh God, give me that new job. Oh Lord, make my marriage better. Oh Lord, um, you know, t- t- turn my kids around. Oh Lord, let's do this. Lord. And then the Lord does it and you go... Oh, well, you know, I'm just blowing up right now. I just don't even have the time. <laughs> sorry, let me call you. I'm sorry I can't show up today because I'm traveling. I'm sorry I can't show up today because... Where are you traveling to? Oh, I'm, I'm traveling to Fort Worth. Me and my girlfriend, we're just going... Uh, and then the next week, oh, I'm so sorry I can't make it because I'm traveling. Where are you traveling? I'm traveling to Dallas. You know, we make up all these excuses and reasons and God is blessing us. We should be serving. So here's the thing. Acts eight thirty six, and I'll close with this. So I'll just tell you about the story about Philip. So Philip was on his way somewhere. He was on his way, had a little chariot going, and the Lord says to him while he's on his way, it's kind of like we're going from here to Frisco. He has an appointment in Frisco, and he is going on his way, and um, God says to him, Hey, Philip, there is going to be this eunuch, and I need you to go talk to him. Now, Philip could have been like, um, Frisco is like an Owen away. I I have to go traffic. I can't, you know, don't want to be there at five o'clock. You got to go. No, I mean, I got an appointment, Lord. But you know what? Philip allowed himself to be interrupted. Mm. He allowed himself to be interrupted. And so he said, all right. So he went out of his way and chased down the eunuch. And the Bible says that he got his chariot and hooked it up to his chariot and heard the eunuch reading the book of Isaiah. And so he was reading the book of Isaiah. Philip said to him, do you even know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And this is the powerful part. This is a powerful part. Verse. Hold on. 36. Are we in 36? Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts 8. All right, here we go. And it says here. 35. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. Okay, verse 31. And he said, how can I understand except some man should guide me? And he asked Philip that he would come and sit with him. You see, this is what I'm talking about here. The whole message hangs on this verse. Jesus was willing to go to people who are not commonly hooked up with himself. Not necessarily people that he would, you know, normally talk to. But Philip did the same thing. He went and he took the time to sit with him. Not just to say, hey, hey, God told me to stop you. Here's a flyer. Go to church. Hey, hey, hey. You know, women's ministry is coming. June 20. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, That church over there, they they can help your marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go tell, tell them I sent you. No, the Bible says, Philip, talked to him and said, do you understand what you're reading? You don't? Let me sit with you and explain. I know I'm supposed to be in Frisco, but you know, somehow God's going to take care of that because he had you come on my pathway. You had you walk through my area. He had me do a beeline for you. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to disciple. I'm going to stop and I'm going to serve. I'm going to reach out to my neighbor. I'm going to reach out to my coworker. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to my fellow Christians here. And the Bible says, that they saw some water. So here we go. We're losing time. We are losing time because here he is. And now we've got the time to explain. We talk about Isaiah. He talked about Jesus. And now they saw some water. And he said, what's stopping me from being baptized? Oh, jeez. You know, the hour has been eaten up. He's supposed to be somewhere. And Philip baptizes him right there and then. But you know what was incredible? The Bible says that right after that, The Lord took Philip up and the next day knew Philip was in another city. God will always make up the time. God will always redeem whatever you have given. God will always restore whatever you sacrifice. You have to understand that being a disciple means that he has a miracle waiting for you. But many times, we have to do some messy things. We have to get our hands dirty. We have to do the uncomfortable. We have to do the inconvenient in order to get incredible. And I am challenging you. I'm challenging me. Where is it this week? Where is it that we are going to let people see Jesus in us? Where is it that they will know they have been with jesus oh i can tell that person with jesus because you came and you sat with me though my my um, breath smells like full of wine and liquor you sat with me and talked to me about jesus though my marriage is going through you sat with me though i'm gender confused and i'm not sure which side of the fence i want to go right now you sat with me and you talked to me about jesus though i'm loud and boisterous and not your cup of tea you reached out to me This week, are we going to be like Jesus? Are we going to get beyond the ask and get into the action? Are we going to get beyond the preaching of it and telling and actually doing something and saying, hey, yeah, you, you can sit in my car. Yeah, you, you know what? I can give you some clothes to come to church. You don't have no clothes to come to church. We go, oh, all right. Well, uh, when did you get some, come. No, no, I'll get you some. You know where my size is. All right. I'll go to a tailor and tailor it down for you. It's okay. We can go to a consignment shop. I can hook you up. We have to be disciples. We have to be what Jesus calls us to be. Amen. So this week what you going to do? Acts 4:13 where we started, we end. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of him, them, that they had been with Jesus. We shouldn't just attend church. We should be attentive in church. We shouldn't see the rain falling. And I am in my suit and my cute outfit. And I'd rather you, as a female, get yourself wet than give you my umbrella because I don't want to look bad. That shouldn't be happening. You, we shouldn't see uh, somebody have a child on their hip and another one on their arm and the baby bag on here and they're loaded down and we're just like, welcome! Come on in. And they can barely walk. And we don't say, let me take your bag for you. Let, let me help you. We shouldn't see people breaking down and setting up and they're, they're doing the tables and you see the same people doing and you just, good job, brother. <laughs> No, that's good, man. I, I like to see that. And you're doing nothing. It doesn't even bother you. And I sit to myself, and I say to myself, and this is the flesh and not Jesus talking. Let me just make it clear. Paul said it. He said, this is Paul and not the Holy Spirit. If I was a single person, I would never hook up with a man who is not serving. Because if you can't serve a God you cannot see, there's nothing you can do for me. If you can't be loyal and faithful and committed to a God you cannot see, you are not going to be loyal, faithful, and committed to me who you can see. Oh my gosh. And if I was a guy looking for a girl and all she did was watch everybody else go by and she was not willing to do an investment, no sacrifice. You cannot have a long-term relationship in anything without sacrifice and compromise. It's just impossible. So I'm saying to you, Water Family Church, pay attention to each other. Don't let there be a need and you just stand there and going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me give you my extra child. So here we go, 20 children in there and you're going, oh, they have three. Oh, they'll be all right. No, you come alongside and say, hey, you know what, sis? Let me help out. You know what, brother? Let me help out. Because that's what Jesus did for us. He came to us. He humbled himself, made himself less so that we could become more. Can we become less so others can become more? Can people be convinced this week those people that were the truth, they have been with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now we talked about doing action this week. So if you just be really still for a second, it's not even uh, 1230 yet. If you bow your heads and